bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, "I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you." And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Anybody remember that song? Some of you under 40 don't even know what that song's about. It's called Cats in the Cradle. It really is a song about a dad who was just too busy. Time is really short. And before he knew it, his little boy had grown up. And all the good intentions he had of wanting to be with his son and help his son, he always had a reason. Time was just flying by really fast. And at the end of the song, it's kind of depressing because his son's growing older and he... Dad's now an older man, and he says to his son, hey, when are you going to come by and see me? He goes, well, Dad, you know, I've been busy lately. I just don't have the time. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about time and how short our time is on this earth. Everyone got your match? All you pyromaniacs, be careful. That match is for you just maybe to take home. Maybe it'll symbolize something about time for you and because we all know time is short, man, no matter what. Some of us think we got lots of time, and the Bible warns us about assuming that. But before I go any further, can I just welcome all of our campuses, starting all the way out in Landa Lakes and right here at Lutz. Good to have you guys. And east of us is Temple Terrace, and we got Carrollwood and Ebor right in the middle, and South Tampa, and our new Clearwater campus, and those watching online. Come on. Good to have all of you with us. What matters most? You know what matters most is if you only had three days to live. Let's say for some reason you knew you had three days to live. What in your life would change? What would become a major priority in your life? What would really begin to matter if you only had three days to live? What would change? The Bible tells us in Psalms 39, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. This is kind of depressing, isn't it? How fleeting our lives are. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath. Or like when I lit that match, it's here today and it's out before you know it. Everyone here is but a breath. Even those who seem secure. You know, being a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard people come up to me at a funeral and said, and they kind of have regrets regarding some of their good intentions. You know, I just thought I was going to have some time. I wanted to say this to that person. Or I wanted to do this. I wanted to write them a note. I wanted to, to honor them while they were alive. How many know when we go to funerals, we hear all these nice things said about the dead people? Why don't we say it when they're alive? 
right? I, I've had these funerals where people come up and said, I didn't know. I, I wanted to let them know that, that I forgive them. I wish I'd have known I was going to make that phone call. I was going to go visit them. All these good intentions left undone because we assume we have tomorrow. You know? The Bible warns us against this kind of mindset. I'm only giving you a few of the scriptures, but in James it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's humbling, isn't it? I'm just a mist, and I'm gone. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Really, the Bible is trying to tell us that we're way too casual about tomorrow, right? Now, I understand, I don't know we can live in the urgency that this could be my last day, but I think we need to begin to reshape our mindset, that not boast about tomorrow, not to assume that if there's good intentions, let's do them today. We may not have tomorrow. See, we, when we assume we have tomorrow, this leads to procrastination and it leads to good intentions left undone. You know, Jesus gives us a warning in a parable. He's, he's really talking about greed and possessions and he was trying to warn people that those aren't the most important things, number one. But then he gives this parable about a man who wasn't prepared. And he says this, and he told a parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will, have, I will store my surplus grain. So this guy his business is killing it, right? He's doubling his business. He's getting more barns. Things are going good. And he's assuming, man, I got plenty of time in my life. And again, Jesus is trying to teach us something here. And he says this, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Why is he a fool? He's a fool because he assumed he had tomorrow. You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Listen, God is all for prosperity. God wants us to produce. God wants us to, 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 to have uh, that type of life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with success. But success should always drive us towards generosity. And he's saying, hey, all you've done is store this up for yourself when you should have been rich towards God, rich towards God's kingdom, maybe rich towards other people, maybe rich towards church, I don't know. But he's saying, man, you stored it up assuming. And maybe he did. Maybe he did plan on writing that check or helping that person, but he never did it in his life. I don't know about you. I want to be that way. I want to live my life every day. I want to live like, okay, God, you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it today. And that's my whole, really, message today. I want us to turn our good intentions 
into actions. I know we think, well, I have plenty of time, right? That's what he thought. You know, I'm, I'm really busy right now, but later I'll spend more time with my family. I'm trying to build this business right now. And I know there's this tension we have between our work-life balance and our family sometimes. I know this one. I hear this one. After the holidays, then I'll start exercising, right? Or then I'll start eating right. Uh, I, we hear these, you know, we hear these things all the time that we, 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 we put it off towards to tomorrow. See, we want to turn the when, when I, into now. I need to do it now. You know, we need to honor that person now. Will you do me a favor? Just a friend that maybe you have, just maybe you have someone you know, and you go, you know what? I want to make sure I say this now, not at their funeral. Will you go do that? Will you just go, you know, I'm not going to wait to their funeral. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it now. That'd be a blessing to someone. We should encourage people now. What matters most? Well, the Bible in 1 John tells us what doesn't matter and then what matters most. It's in 1 John 2, 16 and 17. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, you can think about a lot of things in that area, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And you know what? Let's admit it. The world, that matters a lot to a lot of people. The world and its desires, the Bible says, will pass away. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. So what lasts forever, what lives forever, is when we do the will of God. And the, all these other things that he listed are going to fade away. And I can tell you those things probably represent position. Positions will pay, fade away. Power. Possessions will fade away. Fame will fade away. Well, you may be known today, but no one will know you tomorrow. Beauty. How about money? Money will fade away, really, fade away really fast. For some, your money can fade away overnight, like the FTX scandal. What? Lost $78 billion? I don't know. How, I mean, and, and boom, like that. I know that athletic ability will fade away. I know that beauty will fade away. It's just the reality of life, and we put all of our what matters into those things, and the Bible says those things aren't about eternity. They really, they don't matter. I know we care for them. I know we need things. We need money. We need possessions. We should take care of our bodies physically, but eventually they fade. Eventually, they just break down. How many you understand that? If you're 25, you don't. If you're almost 65 like me, you do. Traditionally, every Thanksgiving, we have a football game. We used to at Grace Family Church. It was a big deal, man. Before Thanksgiving, we'd come out when we first started this church, and it was competitive, and we'd had a game. When I started this church, I was 35 years old, 30, no, 37, 38 years old. And I remember when I first came out, we'd line up the guys, we'd start picking teams. I was one top one or two picks every time. But as the years went by, I noticed that I was no longer the number one or number two pick. I was down to, in the middle rounds. And then one time, I was there at the game, and I was the last one picked. They go, okay, we'll take Pastor Craig. It's not funny. You think it's funny? I didn't think it was funny. But see, we have a hard time facing those realities that those things really, really don't matter. So, so let, let me tell you what I believe will help us to figure out what matters most. What matters most is what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. See, the Bible says, do 
I'm saying do what God wants you to do now. Do it now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. What is the Holy Spirit impressing you to do? We did a two-week series on the Holy Spirit, trying to get us to be in tune with the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God wants you to do the will of God, right? And we know that the will of God is the most important thing we can do. In fact, Paul says it this way. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Now, I've got to understand, the apostle Paul had a very accomplished life before he came to Jesus. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he was top of his class. He was looked at as this amazing person of position and status and power. And he said, I consider that worth nothing to me. Because you know what? He found out what mattered most. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the tasks the Lord Jesus has given me. How many know the Lord has a race for you? How many know God has an assignment and a task for you to do? Every one of us, not just Paul, all of us. God has a purpose, a task, an assignment for us. It says, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Man, Paul was focused on what God was calling him to do. Again, what is your assignment? What's distracting you or holding you back from what God wants you to do now? I'll tell you one thing that holds us back. It, it tells us in the Ecclesiastes of 11, verse four, it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You know what that's talking about? There's always a reason to wait till tomorrow. Well, you know what? I, I gotta, it's, just, I gotta, it's just not right yet. I just gotta, I, I wanna start that business. I've done all my due diligence, but I just, I just don't know, Right? Whatever that might be that, that, that holds us back, that, that idea of everything's got to be perfect timing. You know, been wanting to invite that friend to church, right? I got to wait. It's just, uh, and you know God's nudging you. You know, Holy Spirit's saying, go ahead, invite them. But we're, we're waiting for this perfect time and, and perfect conditions. You know, we, I, I know I need to join a small group, but man, just right now, I'm, I'm really busy right now. When I'm not as busy, then I'll join a group. That's funny. We're always going to be busy. It's a matter of what you make priorities, what matters most. I believe relationships matter most. I believe community matters most. And so we, and I mean, I know God, I feel like God's nudging me to be a, maybe a leader or a small group leader, but you know what? I just, I don't know enough yet. I've got to get more of, and we disqualify ourselves. We think we got to be perfect and we got to have the perfect conditions to go out and do what God's called us to do. You need to read the Bible. None of those guys thought they had it together. Gideon, Moses, God said, go and do it. I, I, can't, I can't talk. Moses stuttered. Gideon said, I'm from the least tribe. We all have reasons to disqualify ourselves from doing what God wants us to do. We can't wait. There's perfect conditions, you know. Uh, you know, well, I, I want to, I, I, I really want to give my life to Christ, but I, I got some partying I still need to do. You know, I'm going to wait till I'm older and married. Or, you, know, when, you know, those people don't have any fun anyway. Then I'll become a Christian right? We're waiting for these, these perfect, you know, I, I want to share my faith with this person. I, I, I know that the Lord's leading me, but I'm just waiting for the perfect time. I, and, and I'm just waiting. And what's the perfect time? What if, what if God was nudging you to do it and they died tomorrow? Man, I, I remember one time back in the day when I used to do what we called street witnessing. I'd go out on the streets of Tampa and pass out little gospel tracts and 
talked to this one guy one day, true story, and I started telling him about Jesus. He kind of just laughed at me. I got plenty of time. His girlfriend was right there, and she was laughing with him. Next week, I'm at that same club outside the club where I used to go do this preaching, and I saw her there, and I said, hey, where's your... She started crying. She goes, he died in a car accident. And she said to me, I wish he would have listened to your message. Now, that's weird. It's true. It, and things happen. You know, what, what is God nudging to do? What, what, what is it? I know I'm going to start tithing. But when I start making this much money, then I'll start tithing. No, you won't. You won't do it. You start with what you have, right? There's just things that we, we, we know the Holy Spirit is leading us, but we, we, we're waiting for the perfect condition. I, I plan on getting married, but you know, I got to think about this. I mean, she's a good girl. She loves Jesus. And, and I mean, but she's not perfect. You realize that. Yeah, and you're not either. And, and so I'm just not sure, you know, there's a few things we, and I, look, I'm all for premarital counseling. I'm all for making sure you're compatible. But some of you, I mean, you've been waiting too long. You just need to go, you know what? We need to just do this. We need to get married. Go see Pastor Darrow. He'll help you through it. We got premarital classes to help you through it. But some of us, man, we just procrastinate waiting for the perfect thing or the perfect person. You know, some of you need to start a business. Some of you need to stop. You need to sell business. You know, it's time to sell. But I don't know. We need to do it now. Amen? We need to do it now. What if, what if, and I know I'm, I'm being hypothetical, but what if you only had one year left? This is if for some reason you knew you had one year left. What would change in your life? I'll tell you what would change. What matters most starts rising to the top. But we don't know if we have, but what if you had one year left in your life? I promise you, there'd be some priorities changing in your life. Why wait? Why don't we do it now? Because most of those priorities, I tell you, are a good thing. What if you only had one month left, 30 days to live? What would change in your life? What would you begin to go? What would you stop doing and what would you begin to do? What if you had one week left? Boom. One week. Tomorrow, six days. Next day, five days. Think about that. Four days. Three days. Two days. What if you had one day left? I wonder how long this will stay lit. I wonder, one day left. What would you do? One day left. What would you change? What would you let go of? Who would you see? Who would you talk to? What would you give? What would you say to your spouse or your dad or your mom or your son or your daughter? What would you do for God? You had one day left. Something to think about, isn't it? What, do what God wants you to do now. Here's the next one. Live how God wants you to live now. Live how God wants you to live now. See, I know the Holy Spirit is our friend and our comforter, but the Holy Spirit also is our convictor, isn't he? And the Bible tells us in James 1, 
21. So get rid of all that is wrong in your life, both inside and outside. Sounds simple, doesn't it? You know, the Bible is pretty straightforward. That's a strong verse. So get, get rid of all that's wrong in your life, inside and outside, and humbly be glad for the wonderful message we have received. For it is able to save our souls and, is, and it takes hold of our hearts. And remember, it is a message to, come on, everyone say it, to obey. God's word is a message to obey. And not, not tomorrow, not next week, I'll get it right later in my life. No, today's the day to obey what God's telling you to do or what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. It is a message to obey, not just to listen to, so don't fool yourself. So what is wrong in your life? What on the inside you know is broken that you're allowing just to stay broken? Listen, God loves you and God forgives you, but he wants you healed. God wants you whole. He wants you strong. He doesn't want you broken. He wants you to be raised up. He wants you to have a, a, a new life of power and strength. So what, in, what on the inside that we need to maybe go, okay, God, I need to do this now. I'll tell you one obvious one. You know, uh, I'm not a counselor, but I know a few counselors. You know, they tell me 95%, maybe not 95, 90% of what they deal with is unforgiveness. People are hurt by people and they just don't forgive. And unforgiveness and bitterness, the Bible says, is a bitter root that infects the whole body. And I know even saying that word, some of you mad. I, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But you're hurting yourself, not them. When you hold unforgiveness against other people, you might as well take a bottle of poison and drink it yourself. It's poisoning you. Do it now. That doesn't mean you're gonna be in best friends with him. It doesn't even mean maybe you'll have a relationship with him. It has more to do with your heart. What's hurting you in your heart? Unforgiveness, bitterness, seek healing for your brokenness. Maybe you're struggling. You've been struggling with, with a weakness or an addiction or brokenness in your life. And, and you come and you, and you weep and God touches you, but you walk away and you're not willing to do the work. You're not willing to say, Holy Spirit, do it now on me. I want to be delivered now. I don't want to keep living like this. I believe I can have victory now. You know, God can do that. We just had Freedom Weekend here. Yeah, woo, Freedom Weekend. You need to go to Freedom. Every semester, it's a, it's, it helps us to be free, to be whole, to be forgiven, to, to have power and understand uh, who we can be and become. We have something called Celebrate Recovery, and it's, it's at Orlando Lake Campus. We encourage you, look, go on our website. It's, it's people that are struggling with, you know, addictions and, and brokenness in their life, and they come together, and powerful things are happening. You know why? They're saying, you know what? I want to deal with this now. I'm tired of hiding it. I want to deal with it now. I don't care who knows. I want to deal with it now. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed now. Man, I, I know I'm passionate and intense, but my heart is, man, let's do it now. Man, God, you live an abundant life now, but we got this stuff on the inside. Go get some counseling now. There's nothing wrong with counseling. Half, our, half my pastors are in counseling because I'm their boss and I drive them crazy. We have counselors for our pastors and for our staff because we believe in gifted, anointed Christian counselors. Man, 
Go, go get it now. Some of you, you're hanging around the wrong people. You know, the Bible says that bad company ruins good morals. Man, you're hanging out with some people, dragging you the wrong way. You know what you need to do? Depart now. Let go of that thing now. You, you, just, you, you don't need, some of those, you just need to let go of those relationships. Some of you are in a bad boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. And you know what? It's been bad for a long time. You know what you need to do? Let go of it now. Walk away now. It's better to be lonely and whole than clinging to something that's bringing you down, that's hurting your life. And sometimes God can't show you what's next until you're willing to leave something that, that he doesn't want for you. Make that phone call now. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to them. And I said phone call purposely instead of text. Sometimes text just doesn't do the job a voice on the phone does. What's that phone call you need to make to a mom, a dad, a father, a son, a brother, a business partner, or ex? What's that phone call you need to make just to encourage someone? You know, I noticed something about you that I've been meaning to tell you for a long time. Remember when you did that for me three years? Thank you. You know, we have a great opportunity this Thanksgiving weekend, don't we? Thanksgiving dinner, a lot of you getting together with family and friends. It'd be a great time to do something now, to love someone, to encourage someone, to pull someone aside and just have that conversation uh, that would maybe bring some restoration or healing. Thanksgiving, a time to be thankful for each other now. Uh, we, I know my kids used to hate it. We go, hey, we're gonna go around the circle at Thanksgiving and tell us one thing you're thankful for about some, oh, they roll their eyes. But you know what? As we begin to do it, hearts soften, God moves, it just touches people. Listen, our words have power. Do something with your words now. Instead of cursing someone, bring words of life now. Speak those words of encouragement now to somebody, amen? Do it now. What's this message about? Do it now. So what else should we do? Well, we should prepare for eternity now. Because if eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, that one day when we die, we're gonna have eternity somewhere. Either with God or without God. With God, we call heaven. Without God, we call hell. And I know the world doesn't like hearing about hell, but it's in the Bible. And the good news is God wants everyone to go to heaven. That's the good news. But there's also something in the Bible that's a fact. It says in Hebrews, just as people are destined to die once. How many believe we're all gonna die? We are. Hopefully not tomorrow, right? But we're all gonna die. It says after this, we'll face judgment. You gotta read through the text to understand that because of placing my faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus becomes my Passover lamb and God's judgment passes over on me and I'm forgiven and I'm not judged because of what Jesus does for me. So we don't have to be afraid of death unless you haven't prepared for eternity. And if I were you and you're not sure, I would prepare for eternity. Come on, everyone say it now. Why wait? Why wait for tomorrow? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. 
God is listening right now. Indeed, the right time is now. Today, not Tuesday, not next month, not after I get married, not after I finish college. Today is the day of salvation. Bible's pretty clear. Prepare for eternity now. There's an amazing story in the Bible about two thieves on the cross. We know Jesus was crucified on the cross. And their conversation, one went on the right and one was on the left. And it's interesting how these guys had one hour to live. Think about one hour. I'm not going to strike the match this time, but one hour to live. What would you do if you only had one hour to live? Well, I know what I would do. If I wasn't prepared for eternity, I'd figure that part out now. And there's two thieves on the cross. It's amazing how both of them had less probably than an hour to live. One has a conversation with Jesus, and it was all about, uh, he said, hey, Jesus, if you're really God, why don't you save yourself and me? Get me off this cross. And it was all about the outward. It was all about save me personally, my physical body. And he missed the whole point. He wasn't preparing for eternity. He just wanted to be delivered from the cross. And the other thief or criminal looked at the guy and said, shut up. Don't you know that we're getting what we deserve? We're guilty. Then he points at Jesus and he says, this man though is innocent. One had the right perspective. The, one, the other one was all worried about this life. And then this other thief said to Jesus, hey, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He was thinking about what? Eternity. Now think about this. So he looks at Jesus and he pleads for mercy. And Jesus sees this guy who's had a long list of of criminal background and behavior, probably his whole life. And Jesus looks at this man who's crying out for mercy. And he says, remember me when, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Woo, come on. You're talking about a Hail Mary. That guy hit it, man. Now, why do I share that story? That tells us there's hope for anybody. No matter what your past is, your failure is, man, what your struggle has been today. Today, Jesus has the ability, and only Jesus has the ability to give you a new start, a new life. Your past is forgiven, gives you power in your present and hope for your future. And you don't have to wonder about eternity. You know, a lot of people I used to talk to say, hey, uh, do you think you're going to heaven? Well, I hope so. That's a bad answer. Hope. You're going to hope about eternity? I want to know. I want to know without a doubt. Or I talk to some people, hey, what about heaven? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm doing pretty good. I hope I've done enough. Really? That's not what I want to base my eternity on about what I have done. I want to base it on what Jesus did for me on the cross. Amen? And so we don't have to wonder. We don't have to hope. Death doesn't have to be a mystery. We can know now that I'm forgiven and God's got a place for me in heaven and that God also has a purpose for me on this earth, and I can, I can experience his a right relationship with God now. And the Bible says any man that be in Christ is a new creature. 
old things pass away and all things become new. Not only does God secure your place in heaven for eternity, he gives you a, a new life, a new purpose, a new direction, a new hope, a new passion, and he can do it for you now. And what baffles me is when people know what I'm saying is true, but in their minds they go, that's good, but I think I'll do it next week or next month. No, no, no. Today's the day. The Bible says Jesus knocks on the door of your heart now. Open the door now. Get saved now. Get your life right with God now. I know there's many probably on all of our campuses where you've known the Lord and somehow you've wandered really far, far away. You're wondering, can I even come back? I mean, would God even take me back? Oh, yeah, he does. The prodigal said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to my father's house now. So you can come home. Listen, you can come home now. Well, I got to get all cleaned up. No, you come as you are right now to him. God's the one that cleans us up. We come as we are. Amen. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, this is a good verse. You need to help, help you understand. For Ephesians 2, 8, you're going to put it up there. God saves you by his grace. Amen. Aren't you glad God saves us by his grace, not by your merit or your efforts when you believe? And you, take, you can't take credit for this. It is a, come on, everyone say it, a gift from God. So are you going to accept his gift today? I would. I would do it now. Then it goes on. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Amen? It's purely the gift of God. God's grace and mercy is a gift, so accept it now. So on every campus, just, just bow your heads, every campus, if God is speaking to you about eternity and you want to be sure now he's waiting for you. You can pray this, pray this prayer with me silently on every campus. Jesus, I need you to save me now. I believe that when you died on that cross, my sins were put there. So thank you for forgiving me now. God, I thank you for your grace and mercy and I receive it right now. God, I thank you that you promise eternity to me, and it's a gift that you give me. I accept it right now. And Jesus, I believe that today, as I acknowledge you as my Savior, give me your Holy Spirit right now to give me a new life, a new power, a new hope. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I believe it right now. Now, now what we're gonna do, and I know God's already done it in some of your hearts, we're gonna sing this amazing song one more time, and then your campus pastor is gonna come up and help you with the next step for many that gave their lives to Jesus today. Amen, let's sing this song together. <laughs>